0: Hello everyone, welcome to the 11th Street Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Liana.
1: And I'm Yareel.
0: And we are really happy to be here today with Chris Yang, who is uh, with the Mosaic Cross-Cultural Center at San Jose State University. Um, Chris, I'd love for you to um, introduce yourself and introduce Mosaic to those of our students that are listening.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Liana. Um, So uh, my name is Chris Yang. My pronouns are he, him, his. I am currently the director of the Mosaic Cross Cultural Center at San Jose State. These are all things you mentioned. Um, So, uh, for those who um, are are either not San Jose State students or are not familiar with San Jose State's uh, um, resources, um, the Mosaic Cross Cultural Center is one of our um, uh, resource centers, student resource centers on campus uh, that deal with uh, social justice education and engagement, as well as identity development. Um, we have been around for 23 years, something like that. Um, although I've only been associated with it for the past three. Um, but, um, it's, uh, it's a great, it's a great space. Um, unfortunately, you know, shelter in place means that nobody can see it right now. Um, and, you know, we're, we're still trying to do some stuff. So check us out on, on YouTube and stuff like that. Well, I'm sure we'll get to that at some point. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, and you kind of led into it, but um, I really want to know um, if you can elaborate kind of on what the mission of Mosaic is, what you guys do, um, what gets you up in the morning and get, gets you in the door, um, and those moments that you've come across in your work that really make you think like, this is where I'm supposed to be, this is what I'm supposed to be doing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, Mosaic... Um, you know, we um, and the mission's kind of changed a little bit here and there in the past 23 years. I don't think um, I don't think we would be very effective if we didn't keep revising what we were doing. Um, And it's important to know where we come from. So, um, you know, Mosaic came about because um, back in 97, I believe, 1997, 1998, something like that. Um, Again, I wasn't there at the time, so I have no idea. But, um, Back in like 1997 at San Jose State, um, this was before we had any identity-based resource centers on campus. So um, we weren't around, the Pride Center weren't around, um, you know, these spaces just weren't weren't available. Um, there was a uh, incident that happened on campus where um, a student was interacting with a, um, a administrator on campus and, um, there were uh, racial slurs used. It was, a, it was a racist incident that happened. Um, and there was um, a student movement at the time to address it. Um, and one of the things that the students asked for was a space um, to be created on campus that would be um, a place that students can go uh, to talk about issues that were important to them, to better understand issues that are important to them, to reflect the diversity of the student population. Um, and so that's kind of where Mosaic came about from. Um, Mosaic ended up being the space that was created in response to that, that uh, desire. And um, so a lot of what we do really is trying to understand um, the way that social justice works in a higher educational um, institution. Um, so understanding stuff like power, privilege, oppression, identity, um, and how it all relates particularly in a higher education con- uh, context. Um, so what that means, you know, practically, is that our students will go through experiences um, and they'll have different sort of um, impacts from stuff like racism, sexism, homophobia, um, transphobia, um, you know, religion, right, um, is one of the big eight. Um, so they have these experiences and, um, you know, they uh, w- w- Part of what we do is trying to make that make sense for students. One um, and two, advocate for change, right? So, trying to change systems um, at our university so we don't have incidents of racism. Um, obviously, we can't eliminate it um, on our own, um, but you know, we we try to we try to advocate for students um, and advocate for for making San Jose State a better place.
0: Awesome, thank you. Um, I think that kind of what you just touched on is really. Um, something that I've noticed in the short time that I've kind of been around San Jose State is the fact that I think that confronting a lot of different forms of prejudice and oppression is something that's really deeply woven into the fabric of San Jose State and it's noticeable I think in a way I've been to a few college campuses I, I went to two different universities and I it's something that you don't really encounter a lot and I think that's one of the things that really makes San Jose um, San Jose State special is the fact that there's a, a just seeing the the statues of the mm. um this, you know the statue I'm talking about, the name of it escapes me with the, yeah. the, the, yeah. the Olympic statue. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: just seeing that the very first time I came to the campus is something that, um, it really tips you off to the fact that it's an environment where um, the students and the faculty and the administration aren't gonna stand idly by and um, in the face of prejudice and bigotry. And it's something I've always really um, admired a lot about, just not just the campus, but the people there. Um, and it's a great thing for us to strive to do, um, and kind of building off of what we just spoke about, what you just spoke about. I want to know, um, something that we try to do at our Hillel a lot is even though the Jewish community, like we are one community, but we have a lot of folks who are part of many different other communities, like Ashkenazi, Sephardi Mm -hmm. students. We have a lot of Israeli students. We have a lot of, um, we have a few students from different areas and different racial backgrounds and something that we're always trying to do is promote knowledge of other cultures and other backgrounds within the context of the Jewish community and within the context of Hillel. And so I'm kind of wondering if you can speak about how you all do that at Mosaic, how you promote knowledge of um, folks with different identities who might come through your doors.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So uh, yeah, and, and just to back up a bit for folks who are not familiar with the San Jose State campus. Um, what Leanna was talking about is we have these giant statues of Tommy Smith and John Carlos, um, who are um, Olympic uh, uh, athletes who, who won gold and silver um, at the 1968, I might have that number wrong, uh, Olympics, Summer Olympics. Um, and uh, we have these giant, like like 20-foot tall statues of them on campus. Um, and it's, a, it's an incredible um, piece of art. Um, uh, so anyway... Um, So to your question, um, you know, a a big part of what we believe in in Mosaic in terms of, you know, our staff and our mission is we believe really strongly in the power of narrative. Um, Everybody has a story and everybody has um, a right to tell that story. And so, you know, a big part of the work that we do is to encourage um, people to Uh, not only listen to each other's stories, but also try to understand them. Um, And one of the things that comes out a lot when we do narrative work is that, you know, we are are always more than our stereotypes. We are always more than our assumptions, right? So, you know, every single identity marker that's out there, whether it's being... A male or female or gender non-binary, whether it's being you know Asian or white um, or black, whether it's being you know Christian, Jewish, Muslim. Um, every single one of these identity markers um, comes with a set of assumptions and stereotypes. And what we have found is that people defy them all the time, right? There's no such thing as a typical like black person. There's no such thing as a typical white person. There's no such thing as a typical female, you know? Like these are like um, getting past stereotypes, getting past assumptions is is um, a big part of understanding people's narratives and people's stories. Um, so one of the things i really... Um, enjoyed working with um, Hillel with in particular is the fact that we do have an opportunity to get past um, just what you know um, the stereotypes around you know Jewish identity and into more of the narrative of like you know who are who are our Jewish community members like anyway you know like who where do they come from what are the stories you know you know and how does that challenge what people assume or stereotype? Around you know Jewish identity, um, so particularly around like you mentioned you know Sephardic identity, or particularly around people who you know um, are Jewish Americans but don't look or think or grow up in what's a stereotypical manner, right? And so understanding like you know where are these stories and like we need to we need to hear them, we need to broadcast them, we need to advocate for them.
0: Absolutely! Wow, thank absolutely. You. Yeah.
1: <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, actually, uh, it's interesting. You mentioned that uh, because this November is the Heritage Month of Friday and Week. And every year we're working together uh, to have the exhibit and music. So thank you for that. And mm-hmm. it's very interesting what you mentioned about the narratives, um, which I totally agree. Each one of us um, has our own narratives. But I think when we have the power uh, to look at the other's narrative and understand it, which is even sometimes more difficult. This is the way for us uh, to be, you know, to work together in many aspects. Um, and as well with the stereotypes, because uh, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, every time we see a person that we have a stereotypes in our head, they we, they give us another, a different example for what we expected. So if we're talking about Sefarad and Mizrahi, there are a lot of uh, uh, stereotypes about Mizrahi Jews, uh, which are not true. And of course, it's for other groups as well. So thank you for that. It was mm-hmm. very interesting to hear. Um, I'm going to ask something really interesting I'm really interested in about the pandemic, actually, because the music mm-hmm. is a center, kind of like the Hillel. It's open for students. Students come and hang out. You have like events and other stuff. So I'm curious to know how the pandemic affected uh, the programming and the music in general.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Aaron. Um So, you know, the, the the pandemic hit us hard, just like everyone else, right? Um, and it, you know, caught us a little bit off guard, you know, when it happened. Um, I, and I think that's probably true for a lot of my colleagues, right? Like, we, we, we didn't yeah. <laughs> exactly know, like, what was going to happen. We didn't know, exactly know how we were going to react to it. And even when we were all, you know, um, sent home, I think a lot of folks were thinking like, oh, you know, I'll just, I'll be home for a few months. You know, I'll be home for, for a few weeks, a few months, whatever, right, through the summer. And, um, you know, one of the big big educational pieces for myself was coming to terms with the fact that, you know, this is like a long-term change, right? Like, um, so, you know, we, we kind of uh, had to shift gears on a lot of the stuff we were doing. Um, but I also want to mention too that, you know, part of what I believe in, in terms of higher education engagement mm-hmm. is that we need to move in this direction anyway, right? Um, what I've noticed about San Jose State in the time that I've been there, um, and, I think, um, and I think it's uh, um, probably getting more increasingly true for other campuses too, is that our students are super busy, you know? It's our students have, you know, have a dozen different things they're trying to do every single day, right? Go to class, go to work, take care of their families. Um, You know, sometimes students have two jobs, three jobs, you know, and then they're part of different organizations, you know, uh, whether they're, you know, part of, you know, a registered student org on campus, like, you know, JSU, or whether they're part of a community group like Hillel, Right. Like you don't you don't have to be part of JSU to be part of Hillel, vice versa. Right. Um, or you can try to do both. Right. You can try to be part of an org and you can try to be a community member in a, in an organization. Um, so our students are super busy. And then our campuses always have so many different things that we're trying to offer them. Right. So we have, you know, job fairs, we have movie nights, we have club meetings, we have, you know, um, counseling appointments, we have health like stuff like, you know, learn how to, you know, do, you know, cook, learn how to clean, learn how to do all these things. Um, So like, not only do our students have a dozen different things that they're trying to do, but they have a dozen different things that are trying to pull their interest every day, right? Um, So... Uh, I have believed that it has been important in the past few years, especially that we need to be able to construct programs that don't rely on students being at a specific place at a specific time. Right. Um, like I think it's important for us to be engaged with students wherever they are on their own time. Right. Um, because we, we might not have control over that stuff. Right. And students themselves don't have control over that. Right. Um, so, part of what we've tried to do at Mosaic for the past few years is trying to figure out ways in which we can engage with students that don't rely on them being in the center on a Tuesday night or whatever. Right. Um, So, you know, part of that was, you know, expanding our podcast. Part of that was like trying to do videos. Part of that was, you know, trying to, you know, do more takeaway things, you know, worksheets, that kind of stuff. So when the pandemic hit, it kind of gave us an excuse to, to invest in that side of it. Right. Um, so we, we went like all in on our podcast. Right. And so the Mosaic Station podcast, like last year, we did like we did something like 40 episodes um, just, you know, because that was a way that our we could reach our students. Right. Wow. Um, and then in the past few months, we've done all these videos. You have like um, over a dozen videos on YouTube, just trying to get ways in which we can try to both do education, but also do engagement work with our students um so you know i i I do believe that one day you know we we will be back we will be back to mosaic on canvas you know we'll be back to doing in-person programs but i think that what we have built now we will be able to preserve still you know um i think there's a lot of value in the fact that we do know how to do video editing we do know how to make podcasts now and we could still keep these things alive even when we're having in-person programs
1: definitely yeah Mm -hmm. I you know, I, I learned um I had a major in Tel Aviv University in education. And every time we had like uh courses about how you can shift education into virtual the virtual world, the online world. And it's always always like people like, you know, made excuses why we cannot do it and the budget, the resources and more and more. And then came the pandemic. And if we want to look on the positive side of it, mm-hmm. That everything you mentioned, you know, it opened our mind to do everything online and give access to students who are super busy, uh, that working at uh, three jobs and part of an org and a club. And now they can attend and do stuff with the music and the Hillel and other stuff because everything is online and it's so easy and it's so comfortable. Uh, So I think in many ways, uh, it changes the way we we do educate, we we educate people, and the way we want to provide. Knowledge, and I think it's amazing that we are lucky enough to have all this virtual world uh, in order to still maintain social life, even from uh, distance and really far from each other. Yeah,
2: yeah, Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I and I think one of the things that I've always admired about Hillel's organizations is that you all have a direct connection with folks across the world right particularly in israel but also you know jewish community members in other parts of the world um and and being able to invest in stuff like you know being better at you know video conferencing being better at youtube being better at like you know podcasting stuff like that is that you you have an even closer connection now to folks across the world right and like you know you can you can you can have like um, you know, Shabbat dinners where you can invite people from Israel to video in now, right? And so right. What, one day we'll all be able to go back to, to our places, but then now you have all these tools that you can, you can now bring into, like, these spaces. Yep.
0: Yeah. I think you really hit it on the head earlier when you said there's so many mm-hmm. demands for students' attention. Mm-hmm. Um, they're being pulled in so many different directions. Like, that's, I think that's one of the main things that we've been told not even just before the pan, when the pandemic started, but earlier when we first started was you're going to be competing with a lot of demands for students attention and a lot of demands for their time. And, um, and that's been even, I think it's been even more amplified by the whole pandemic is cause now not only do we have to understand and recognize that we're competing with other demands, but also there's the whole challenge that now we're seeing of students, mental health is mm-hmm. being really affected by this whole pandemic. And, um, and it's really taken a hit. And then when you can't gather in person with people, it's it's just different. Um, yeah, it's it's a big contender.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think I think one of the things that we have always known, um, but is super obvious, right? In times like these, is that one of our one of our big um, ways of dealing with the world is through community, right? And again, you know, like you know, not not to not to keep. Um, uh, exalting on on um, on you know Hillel in Jewish culture, but that's it's one okay. This... You
0: you can keep going. It's all right.
2: <laughs> I mean that that is certainly one of the things that that Jewish communities do so well. You know, it's like there's so many things that are centered around community development and community building in Jewish co- culture, right? Like big dinners where like people get together and like you know like you have like Passover is all about just getting everyone in a big house, you know, and just having everyone sit down at the same table together and and, and sit through like a four hour dinner. And, you know, like, these are, these are things that are like, like critical to like surviving, you know, it's all about like, get, I mean, like li- Passover, literally, right. Like, like say it was literally like get everyone in a house to survive. Right. Um, <clears throat> but like, you know, these are things that our communities depend on. And so, you're right, like, not having the opportunity to gather and build community is, like, so detrimental to our mental health, um, and so detrimental to, like, taking care of ourselves. Yeah.
1: Because in the bottom line, we are social creatures, you know, so Mm -hmm. we need it. Uh, So, yeah, I I hope and I believe that at some point we're going to back together and be able to do all these meals together, and going to class and see our friends and have lunch together Uh, but you know I just I just watched a tv show it's about the 60s and I think to myself oh my god if the pandemic was in the 60s people were like isolated completely yeah now we have well yeah I said it before we are lucky to at least uh, be able to do the podcast and videos and see each other uh, even though even in California or in Israel or Europe or Asia or any parts of the
2: world so yeah yeah absolutely yeah, absolutely like definitely like taking advantage of the tools we have is great and uh, right you know it's been it's been kind of fun watching like stuff like star trek episodes and stuff and being like oh yeah we could do that now like we could do those things you know
0: right um, um oh sorry go ahead you're in. no no go ahead <laughs> we turned on our cameras to, to avoid this <laughs> It happens. Um, kind of shifting gears, um, mm-hmm. we're wondering um, since I know you've kind of touched on it, especially with talking about social media and the ways that you're connecting with students. But we're wondering um, what kind of resources Mosaic offers to the students who come through your door, um, or ways that you can ways that you guys go about helping students who might not know about um, what Mosaic does, um, mm-hmm. and if you can touch on that.
2: Yeah. Um, so. Um, I would say, you know, the primary thing is is advocacy and meaning making, right? So, you know, when when a student has an experience where like they might, you know, they might have a teacher say something that's like low key racist, right, or something like that, right? Like kind of, kind of like, you know, very biased, and you're kind of like, mm, you know, that that was kind of a weird thing for you to say, um, you know. On, on a very basic level, we provide a, a space for students to help process that, right? So, oftentimes we'll have students come in and say, you know, like, oh, you won't believe this thing that happened in class today, right? And then we're able to talk through it and say, you know, like, this is what it sounds like is happening. You know, maybe, you know, this is a way to approach it. Maybe this is something that we can do to try to, you know, mollify it or or take care of it or, or address it directly, right? Um, that's like a very basic thing. It's ju- just that meaning making, right? And then the layer on top of that is then we can we can produce programs, workshops, events that address those things, right? So, you know, the, a big part of um, of the experience of students of color, for example, is imposter syndrome, right? And this, this is also true for a lot of women and a lot of um, non male genders. Um, you know, uh, imposter syndrome is like a, is a big thing, right? And so, like we can say, okay, cool, there's like, there's a pattern of imposter syndrome that we have seen in higher educational, higher education institutions. Um, Let's do a workshop, right? And then, and then students can come to that workshop, and we can develop tools specifically for these workshops, right? Like, um, here, here are some, you know, here are five practices you can do to try to try to address the next time you find yourself in that situation, right? Or here, here's an activity that you can do that will help um, bring out things from your experiences that help embolden or strengthen your sense of self and so sense of uh, strengths, and, and so you know that helps address her. Right? So we can do these workshops, and then the next layer on top of that is that you know as a campus um, entity, like a department on San Jose State's campus, we can do advocacy work on on the back end for students, right? So, you know, you oftentimes you know we'll have a student we'll have students that come in from you know, like a specific college, right. And say like, you know, college of, you know, whatever, right. Engineering or something. And like, Oh my God, this thing happened. This thing happened. This thing happened. And then we're like, okay, there's a pattern. Right. And then now it's like, okay, as, as a department, we can now go to, you know, whether it's the college of engineering or whether it's, you know, the provost office or whether it's whoever, right. Kathy Wal-Loud, the office of diversity, equity, and inclusion on campus and say, Hey, we've noticed this, like, how do we advocate for systemic change? Right. Like, and then we can provide whatever help we can for, for systemic change. Right. And it's like, we can do workshops for our staff, faculty, we can, you know, um, collect students experiences so that like, they know what's going on, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, so that's the other layer where we can provide advocacy work for our students. Right. So, you know, when a student comes in and says, you know, what can you give me? It's like, well, you know, it's like, what do you need? Right. Like, if you, if you need to know more about who you are and, and what your story is, we have some great things for participating. In, right, we do heritage months. We, you know, do do programs where you know people people understand themselves better, right? Like um, like the Jewish Roadmaps program that JSU did. Right, that was a great opportunity for for Jewish identified students to be able to talk more about Jewish identity, and then folks who weren't Jewish identified to be able to sit in and listen, right, and and, and participate. So those are like deep dives, right? I want to know more about my identity. Cool, we can do that. Um, or if it's something happened to me, and I don't know what to do with that. It's like, okay, great. Like we can do workshops around that. We can talk to you about that, and then we can help advocate for change around that. Um, so, so really, it's dependent on like trying to address the the different sorts of needs that our students may have. If that makes sense, that was kind of a, a weird answer, but yeah,
0: yeah, it definitely makes sense. Um, <laughs> A little aside i think it's really great that you brought up imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. um because it's something i didn't really know the name for it until actually um one of our san jose state students um who we who was um involved in the spartans to israel trip last year um actually brought it up when i was uh and i were on a call with her and she brought up imposter syndrome and then she described it i was like it has a name that i've been out of school for so long and i was like i know exactly what she's talking about but i don't know if there's a name for it, and then she brought it up, I'm like, "That's it, imposter syndrome," and it's it truly is rampant on college campuses. I feel like, mm-hmm. and especially in just like you said, especially I think in a lot of um, in minority communities. That mm-hmm. I'm I'm here, I'm in college, I'm first gen, but what if I'm not good enough? But what if right. there's this thing that's holding me back? What if I'm not supposed to be here? It's um, I just it's interesting that you brought it up because it it really is, I think so true, and I I worry a lot that our students are are. Um, are facing it and and thinking about it and having these thoughts that they don't belong here that they're not good enough um yeah yeah
2: yeah and and I think you know part of part of when we're able to have these long conversations right sometimes we spend hours with our students talking about one thing that leads to another that leads to another is that we're able to kind of show like you know there are patterns to these things right it's like you, you might feel like it's very singular because, you know, we live in inside of ourselves and we, we only have our own experiences. Right. So it's like, you know, like you're going through something that's, you know, great to get it out. And let's show you that like, you're not the only one, right? Like you're not alone in this, right? There's other people going through it too. And then what have these other people developed to try to combat it, right? So it's like, you know, part of imposter syndrome also is like, you know, do students of color or do women of color especially but women in general belong in like math or science fields right and then it's like you know well, sometimes we'll have students come in and there'll be like a thing where it's like oh i'm the only woman in my math class right and it's like okay this is like a thing right that happened but then like there's all this stuff that happened before and around it and to get to this point and then it's like you know, then then, then we're able to kind of go through all this stuff and be like, well, yeah, you're the only woman in your math class, in a college-level math class. Maybe it's because, you know, like women in our country historically have been told they're not good at math, right? And like, you know, we can trace it all the way back to like third grade, fourth grade, when like teachers have a bias towards men, right, in math classes. And so you know, when you're told at the age of six that you're not good at math, of course, you're going to internalize that, right? And so, you know, we're able to kind of like draw these patterns. And then people are like, oh, that is that. So it's not, it's not because women don't want to take math. It's because society has, you know, created this atmosphere um, of around, you know, what it means to be of a certain gender in a certain, you know, academic space. And so we're able to kind of draw these connections. And so, then if folks want to change systems, then it's like, okay, I know what I have to actually do. Right. I can't just force women to take math at a college level. I have to address the whole thing. Right. And then hopefully that'll, you know, have a like a domino effect where changing one thing will change. Another thing will change another thing. Right. Um, so, you know, having these conversations is like kind of an opportunity to be able to say, Oh, like this is a larger thing. Right. And, uh, part of being in a larger thing is that like, we can change so many different aspects of it or we can address so many different aspects of it. And so it's not just like, oh, I can't do this one thing. It's like, okay, fine, you can't do that one thing, but what about this other stuff? You can do all this other stuff, right? Um, so yeah, it's it's, uh, it's great when we're able to have those moments. And, and unfortunately, you know, a lot of those things are like very organically occurring conversations that we can't really have in a Zoom space. So, you know, when the pandemic is over or when our shelter in place is over, we can go back to doing that, hopefully.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I I think a lot of people have this kind of experience when, you know, they're going to college or other places and they feel like, oh my God, this is the moment that I'm different from everybody. And some of them just continue with life and some of them just needs to speak about it. And some of them, becoming very active about it. Maybe they do like an organization that, like I know like an organization called SheTech, which is like women that goes to high schools and middle schools in order to teach girls math and other stuff. So to have a massive more women in the Itech industry. So mm-hmm. there are so many ways and things that we can do it. And I think it's uh, uh, amazing that you're having this platform for students to speak and talk about it. Uh, because I have personally had the same. Because my mom is from Morocco and to Mizrahi in Israel uh, is also something that you are. You need to do stuff in order to you know fight the stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and stereotypes sometimes get hit in our head and we believe in it. So it's mm-hmm. important always to fight in it and do things against it. So thank you for doing it. Um, and actually, it's related to a because you know we, right. we, what we're doing is to give a platform for Jewish students and Israeli students to come and, you know, be proud of their heritage and background, because sometimes, you know, you can be Jew and maybe be ashamed of it because you're afraid or other stuff. And we've been working together. I mean, nearly, I'm not here a year and a few months, but the relationship is going uh, far back. So if you can tell our students more about the relationship between
2: Elad and music
1: and, uh, what. Well, things
2: they don't know. Yeah, sure. I mean, um, you know, we have been working with Hello for a while. Um, It certainly predates when I got here. So, you know, I've only been in Mosaic for three years. So, um, you know, I know, uh, you know, folks want to talk to Sarita. um, I'm sure she has a lot more history she can talk about. Uh, (laughs) But, um, you know, for me, you know, my own personal experience, right, is that when I was I, I grew up in a very homogeneous environment. Um, I grew up in 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 um, kind of the Cupertino area of San Jose, where if you've ever been there, it's like overwhelmingly East Asian. Like they're they're like Chinese, Japanese, like and then also South Asian, right? Indian folks, like everywhere in Cupertino, right? So like my high school was like eighty percent, seventy percent at the time I went there. It's like eighty percent now, Asian, right? So I would I went to a high school that was almost all Asian folks, right? So I had very little um, um, diversity, quote unquote diversity in my upbringing, right? Like I only I only really, like I kind of knew some folks who weren't Asian and they were friends and stuff, but like even they were like very isolated, right? Because they were like a non-Asian in a very super Asian environment, right? And then the majority of my friends were all Asian, right? So like all of our experiences were very similar. All of our, our experiences were you know kind of kind of this because not only is it a race thing but it's also like you know when you grow up in in Cupertino especially at the time I did right the late 90s early 2000s is that um you know everybody's an engineer everybody's in the tech industry everybody you know so like you know a lot of our stories were the same right our parents immigrated they're they're engineers they work at whatever right like you know, um like Cisco or, or Sun or, or or Apple or whatever, right? And they're like, you know, they program, they make trips, whatever. Um so and then I went to my undergrad was at UC Santa Cruz. And it was uh yeah, right? Uh Santa Cruz. Um that was yeah. no slugs. For, for for folks who uh, uh are listening to the audio afterwards, like you have no idea what that was. But I know they
0: all know I went to UC Santa Cruz. Okay. I talk about it every day. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
2: Um, that's fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. So I was a right? I went to Santa Cruz. Um, and I was a Cal student. Um, are, were you Cal? Yes. Nice. Cal
0: 2016.
2: <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, I, I was in Cal. I was a Cal student. I started, uh, 2000. Um, so a little bit before your time. Uh, but, um, in 2000 in Cal, I, I mean, I, I don't know if you know this, I, I, I had to look this up later just to, just to understand it. But it was, um, it was 12% Asian, the student population at Cal at the time. So I went from a high school that was over 70% Asian to a college environment that was 12% Asian, right? So my, my worldview shifted dramatically, right? Um, so now suddenly I was in an environment where I was with all these different people, right? And my uh, roommate, freshman year, was um, is a guy named Ben. He's a great guy, um, lawyer now. Um, but he uh, so he's Jewish, and then we had a hallmate whose um, name was Joey, who's also Jewish. And Ben and Ju- Ben and Joey were like great friends. They were like fast friends, great friends. <clears throat> they hung out all the time, and they were both super social people, right? Um, they loved making friends with people. They loved bringing people together. And so they got it in their heads that, um, you know, they're both freshmen. They're both living, you know, on campus. Um, you know, we were living in the dorms in, in Cal and um, uh, they got in their heads that they wanted to to do an on-campus Seder for Passover. And, you know, they were both Jewish and then, um, You know, uh, I I don't, I think we had like maybe a couple other folks who identified as Jewish in the building as well. Um, I'm trying to think here. I think maybe three, maybe four people total, something like that, right? And so Ben and Joey were like, we want to do Seder. We want to do it right, as right as we can, right? Um, So they were, they got permission to do Seder um, dinner at, um, on campus, in 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 the um, in the um, lounge in Beard, um, and so they they basically recruited all of us to help cook, to help like be part of it, right? So we ended up having I don't know how many people, like twenty some odd people, um, for for dinner, and like you know we made a bunch of the dishes like in the kitchen on campus, that kind of stuff, and it was my first time attending attending a seder. Um, and it was like, this is great. This is fantastic. You know, like, um, you know, I'm 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 a big fan of like 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 I, I used to, I used to tell this to our our um our um um uh, uh chaplain at University of the Pacific where I went to grad school. I'm a big fan of pomp and circumstance when it comes to comes to religion, right? Like I love I love how in Catholicism they have like you know, they have the thing that does the, like the, the oil, the fragrant oils. Right. I, lo- I love, I love just like all the, all the, like the, the um I love the big hats. I love, I love the robes. Right. I, I love pop and circumstance <laughs> when it comes to religion. Cause it's like, it's such a visible like reflection of faith. Right. Like, you know, I'm like, like, yeah, you can, you can pray. That's fine. But like, when you go to like a Catholic, like, like, um, When you go to a catholic service it's like people kneel people like you know they have to they have to like you know they, they have to get up they have to get down they have to go up in the aisles like the you know the guy comes out with the thing and like you know puts like holy oil like you know out of the thing like it's it's such a production i love it so like you know part of having seder is that there's a lot of pomp and circumstance that comes with it right like you know, you read the chata, you 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 know, you have the traditional foods, you do the whole thing, right? And then like, not only that, but Joey and Ben were telling us all of their like, the things that they did just like growing up as Jewish Americans, right? So they are like, you know, like, they're telling us about how like them and their cousins used to like compete to see like who could eat the most horseradish, right? Like that kind of stuff. So like, we were doing all this like goofy stuff too while we were doing it too. And it was just such a fun experience, you know? I was like, oh, this is like fantastic, you know? And so, you know, for me, you know, those kinds of experiences are what college is all about, right? Like you go to college specifically so you can hang out with people who are not your family. Right. And so part of hanging out with people who are not your family is that you get to see what their, their lives are all about. Right. Not only is it like, yeah, anybody can like, anybody can look up like Passover on Wikipedia or whatever. Right. Um, And you'll get it. Right. You'll, you'll get it. Right. But like, it isn't until you have the experience of talking to folks and experiencing it for yourself before you get to hear stories about, like, how how folks competed to see how much horseradish they could eat, right? Or how, like, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's like, that's the kind of stuff where I'm like, that's what college is for, you know? The whole point of college is so people can not only see what other people are doing, but learn about how people do it, you know? So uh, that was that was a super long way to get here, but um, I love it. <laughs> but you know, like that, you know, to to your question, Yadi, like that's what I want Mosaic to be. You know, it's like, like not only is it like, yeah, you can learn stuff, but it's also like you get a chance to talk to people, you get a chance to meet people, you get a chance to just be like, oh, this is like there's a difference between like what you learn in a book and what you experience in real life, right? And it's like, this is this is what the difference is, right? So it's like, I, I want that to be part of what we do, right? So when we bring people together, it's like, yeah, you know, we teach about the things that we can teach about, but also like, tell us about how it was real for you, right? What did you do with that? How did you grow up with that, right? So like, that that's a big part of it too. Right.
1: Sometimes we just need the personal stories, you know? Not the academic way, just like, Let's know each other, understand what's going on in your life and this in this way to learn better about the culture experience. And, you know, you, you share the experience about moving from a very majority of Asian school to more diverse or maybe not diverse, but more like less Asian uh, <laughs> a campus. Right. Um, do you think that maybe this experience what leads you to in the future, walking in a place like music and help others to, you know, to. Um, to maintain in you know, a very not diverse or diverse
2: school. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the question. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think um, part of part of what I had to figure out when I was in college was, you know, what do I really know about my identities? You know, how does that really work with everyone else, right? Because um, I just took it for granted growing up. You know, um, I just assumed that it was normal, right? Like, everyone just assumes their upbringing is normal. Um, So I'm like, oh, yeah, it's normal for us to do the things that we do. And I really had to kind of figure that out a little bit. Um, And what was helpful was when I was there, um, you know, I took some Chinese language, Mandarin classes, right, Mandarin language classes. I took a Chinese film class. I took a Chinese history class. Um, And that was just part of, like, me trying to understand a little bit more about my own identity, right? and and uh it was super helpful to be able to be like oh yeah like this uh sheds light on who i am a little bit right um and then you know i think this to me the social justice stuff is natural because once we realize that there are different people in the world with different experiences then um shouldn't shouldn't we want them all to do well like shouldn't shouldn't we all want to help each other shouldn't we want to you know like that that stuff always just kind of felt like a no dumb moment and i was like okay like of course like of course we fight for the rights of other people of course we like you know try to elevate other people of course we try to like support other people right like you know other otherwise like you know we're just being selfish you know so um so you know ending up in in this work was kind of like um uh, a very logical next step to me. It's like, of course, we should be doing this stuff, you know. So, yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, we're pretty much out of time, but um, this was so much fun. I, <laughs> um, yeah. I love your, I love the the stories and the the zest that you that you brought to this conversation. Oh, I um, um, I I like to think that I know a decent amount about um the different. Um, centers on our campuses. And every single time I think about another one and I talk to someone from that sphere, it just blows me away how much um, I really have to learn and how much fun it is to hear other people's stories. I mean, it kind of hits the nail on the head of that's the reason that we do what we do is we want to empower students to live their truth and live their stories and own who they are. And um, and just thank you for shedding more light on what we all want to do. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for joining us. And yeah,
2: absolutely. Thanks for having absolutely. me here.
0: Of course. Um, I'd love to give you a chance to plug Mosaic social media um, and ways, oh, my headphones falling out, sorry, <laughs> um, and ways that students can get in touch with you and um, anything else you'd like to share.
2: Yeah, so uh, absolutely. Thank you. So um, the easiest way to find our stuff is on our link tree. So if you go to linktr.ee tree slash mosaicccc, which is cross-cultural center, right? So Mosaic CCC. Um, which can be confusing because in the end, it's just a string of C's. Um, but it's Mosaic CCC, Linktree, Mosaic CCC. Um, you will see links to everything we do. Um, but we are on Instagram. You can find us there um, at um, SJSU Mosaic. We're on YouTube at Mosaic CCC. Um, we um, uh, have our own podcast, Mosaic Station, which you can find on anywhere you get podcast Apple whatever. Um so you can find us you can find us around that way. Um and then we respond to all those platforms. So if you DM us through through Instagram or or if you email us or if you you know just pop into we we, we do uh, virtual office hours on Zoom as well. So if you can pop into an office hour, that kind of stuff. Um we respond through all those methods too. So um that's probably the easiest way to find us.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Um, and thank you everyone for listening, and until next time, we will see you next time, and thank you so much, Chris, for joining us.
2: Yeah, thank you so
0: much. Bye. Bye. Bye.